Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. Great to have your company for the Spanish Grand Prix 2022, joined by Connor McNally and Harry Tucker. Boys, before we get into the race and everything going on in Formula One at this current time, um, Connor, um, KO Mini or full race replay for you, buddy? Oh, I'm I'm a bit undecided. I, I would love to say full race, but I might say go the Mini first, then listen to us, and then go and watch the race afterwards. Yeah, solid, solid plug there. That's that's good extra Jeez, streaming yeah. work for KO. What are you thinking, Harry? <laughs> I reckon go the full race. <laughs> It was the first half was quite exciting and then there was sort of just enough tension around strategy to, to keep mm. you interested in the second half. So, yeah, go full. I'm with Harry. I think this for the first time is in a long time is a race you, yeah. could, you could sit back and enjoy the whole race. And I think you're spot on. It's it's a race of two halves, uh, which is a good thing to be able to say <laughs> in, a, in a sport that doesn't yes. actually have halves um, because it was action-packed and then – there was some interesting stuff going on. I mean, I, I think you could easily, like, it, when my son gets up in the early hours of the morning, I'll say to him, mate, just whack it on. Uh, and then as he watches through, I'll be like, now you can probably fast forward a little bit and just, you know, just click through. Um, but, yeah, really exciting stuff. We've, um, we haven't had a race like that in a little while, I have to say. Uh, we had a, uh, a win to Max Verstappen, uh, Sergio Perez in second, George Russell in third on the podium and lots of cool stuff happening down the grid, boys. It was it was hot as heck, hot as hell, however you want to describe it. Connor, you were, for some reason, monitoring the track temperatures. <laughs> Getting messages every <laughs> yeah, with, 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 track with, temp update. Exactly. With thanks to Matt Kosh from Speed Cafe. So, uh, yeah, he was just uh, putting them up and he had yeah, his eye on the ball tonight. The track temperatures were – I mean, Sky was saying that the track was – the conditions were very, very hot and Matt Kosh just exemplified that by saying it was like 37, 38 degrees. I mean, that's Australian summer weather, but, I mean, their heat is much – much more intense, I think, and yeah, like I'm surprised that most of those cars survive the race in that intense heat. Can we just because we record literally straight after the race, so I haven't even had the podium yet. Can we just rejoice the return of the driver's room? Um, I know oh, for a while yeah. there we went with the little the little podium uh, boxes that they had their hats and things on, but now they're back nah. in the room and they've gone high tech. They've got these cool screens and stuff, but. You know, we're not listening to it, but you're back to listening to the drivers unpack the race. You're back to seeing them just wind down for a minute. I actually think of all the things that have gone back and forward and in improved, I'm glad that Liberty Media tries things and then refines them and then often goes back on what they're doing. Uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing, Harry, I think, in terms of the way the sport's pushing forward. Oh, for sure. Like, it's... They're a company that is willing to, like you say, try things. If it works, it works. We'll keep it. If it doesn't, scrap it. And we just keep trying and and iterating and innovating. But, you know, speaking specifically on on this in this driver's room, like there are so many memories in Formula One history that yes. our favorite ones that happened in that room. So, it's, it's great to be back with this generation of drivers. And while we're talking about trying things, can we all agree to the Formula One television management, uh, get rid of the yeah. drone, okay? You've got the money oh. for a helicopter. I mean, could you imagine? Um, can they even get, uh, a, like, a decent drone? Like At the at the Red Bull ring, right? 
the most epic helicopter shot of all is mm. when they, they go out over the hill and they come down the hill in line with the trees and, and catch the cars as they come up to kind of turn one. It, it's it's epic. You can't do that with a drone. wouldn't look any good. No. The quality of this drone around the back end of the circuit was horrible. And they, they like halfway through yeah. the race, they went to a helicopter, which looked amazing, folks. Please, come on. Mm. That's just all the – was... like, seriously, it was a bad experiment. Yeah. And it was so glaring seeing the helicopter and the drone shots sort of, you know, back to back um, and comparing them. But, yeah, it was like they were just using like a freaking GoPro on your on your DJI drone. Like, it was weird. <laughs> DJI I, drones are I, better quality than that these days. I think it was yeah. like one of those you oh, know, racing drones definitely. or something, Connor. I, I agree with that. And even then, some of those homemade drones are not necessarily of the best quality with those cameras. But I mean, I, look, I, it's, I guess you're comparing apples to oranges. You look at the supercars coverage with their drone stuff, and I think the supercars coverage is far better with their drone content than what Formula One is with what we saw tonight. I mean, yeah, just just mm. leave the drone stuff alone. Yeah, I know they were, what they were trying to do yeah. just was horrible. Some you know, bloke I who's think, just got his drone license and he's just convinced yeah, him to give him a go. He's convinced <laughs> him to give it a go. He's probably Spanish and that's just part of the deal. Yeah. But, you know, I get that it needs to be a racy drone, a, a fast drone, yeah. which is why the camera was fixed. It wasn't tilting w- away from the drone um, because of the speed of that section. And the concept was amazing. It's like, should we rig up one of those high wire uh, cameras we had, normally have down the pitch? Should we rig one of them up or should we just put a drone up? folks rig up the wire okay it's a better camera <laughs> and that's always going to be the way anyway we're getting very picky about it, something so silly but it's like flying so fox big, just so go big. with a flying fox exactly that's the wire thing i'm talking about that's a good point um so it was a clean start um and we've had a lot of clean starts i don't remember the last time we had an epic you know first corner um incident it feels like we've got a, a mm. bunch of level-headed um you know drivers at the moment on the grid which is probably a good thing but it's also a bad thing because you don't get those uh crazy moments but it was a decent clean start uh, i think coming down out of turn three and then up to to four magnuson and we didn't get a lot of replays of this harry magnuson and hamilton came together uh it was Mm -hmm. like magnuson was kind of turning through a slightly awkward line but hamilton was on a tighter line and there was some talk of hamilton understeering kind of into Magnuson, but bottom line, Magnuson, mm. Hamilton together, Lewis gets a uh, a puncture. Uh, racing incident, and thank God that it was deemed that way, Harry. Oh, definitely. I, at first, it sort of was made out to be like it might have been Magnuson's fault because he, he was slightly behind. But like when you start talking about those things like that, that is when you're just sort of trying to find a reason to put blame on someone for the sake of putting the blame. So yeah, it's great. Like I'm so glad that that was a racing incident. Like that's that's the priesthood that should be set. Yeah, and we we've had a bit of that. In fact, there was a couple of investigations in this race, all of whom were just like you know, bad luck, move on, and that's the way we, we should have it. So Hamilton fit, uh, pitted for that flat front left, went went on to soft. So I found that fascinating that he went from soft to soft when. You know, in theory, he, you know, that obviously means he's going to do more than one stop, but we knew that was always going to be the case. But I don't know, it just felt like a weird thing, but I guess he was going to come out into clear air and use that for, for speed. Mick Schumacher at this point is now up to sixth in the race corner, and that was that was exciting to see. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out for him in the in the long run. He finished 14th. Yeah, and he went for, I think he went for a two-stopper as well. But uh, look, I think he's time to get points as soon it's very, very soon. He, he could have got points in Miami. He could have got points tonight. But, yeah, his time is definitely on the cars to get points very, very soon. 
I'm surprised at how well Haas did with their cars tonight, despite the fact that they're the only team at the moment that haven't had any upgrades to their car, and they're not expecting to do any upgrades until mid-season. I mean, that, that's yeah. a pretty impressive performance. What? Yeah, they I mean, did okay, but um, I mean, in the end, they didn't. They didn't score points. They 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 performed well in sessions, but they didn't turn it into anything because Magnussen mm-hmm. went off. Uh, Mick went backwards, but both of those, I think, partly strategy. Because I think the critical thing here, uh, Harry, is that if you want to blame strategy, you've got to then put your eyes on Mercedes. Because Hamilton, Harry, was saying to his team, "Ah, oh, the guys, I just saved this engine," which is basically his way of saying, "I'll just plot around, or do you want to box me?" Uh, and put it away but that was you know just his moody little soul because the team don't give up like that yeah. do they harry hey that was weird like that was hadn't seen him speak yeah. like that in a in a long time but you know the I'm team just was finding, clearly correct i'm just like finding he gives up too early i just it's like he i just don't think he has he has got no confidence in the car this year but I don't know, even even in saying that, maybe it's just coming down from, you know, it seemed like he had a lot of hope that the car was going to be good um, throughout the weekend, and that happens as kind of just that, oh, freaking, of course it is. Like, you know, like he's just at I that defeatist point. I think there would be point. some people in the world who live in this space, you know, coaching, uh, that kind of uh, executive coaching style space where uh, there's a mental block here for Lewis. Um, he has been at the absolute top of this sport for almost a decade, seven years or so. Mm. Um, so for him to suddenly not be there, so it's a new mentality. He's he's almost forgotten what it's like to chase. He's he's had plenty of fights. Don't get me wrong, I understand that. He's fought for championships and he's fought for wins. He's fought for everything. But the, the fact is he he doesn't he's not used to this, Connor. And I think that's what he's dealing with, is trying to understand what he needs to do within himself to actually mm. produce these results. I think the last time he had something very similar to this was way back in 2009 when there was a a regulation change then as well. And you've got to remember, he was driving for McLaren at the time and he was struggling with that McLaren. And it took him about at least good good half to a two-thirds of a season to get back to a winning position. And I think he's going through that same mentality all over again. Only, only the only difference is this time... This time Mercedes had a car that had a lot of issues trying to you know, balance out the porpoising and everything else. And as we have said previously, George Russell's got a hand of, handle of this car much, much better than Lewis is at the moment. And you're right. I think it's just a huge stumbling block for him at the moment. And he just he's just not coping with how, how far back he is from George at the moment. It, it must be really troubling him. Hmm, it's about as troubling as your voice when you become a Dalek and uh, your oh, I thought that was me. Goes crazy. I just wanted to point that out so Harry knew that it was both of us hearing. But you came oh, good, yeah. Connor, don't worry. I'm not going to kick you off just now. Um, but if you oh, see thanks. me mute you, Connor, it's because something's happened to your mic and you need to disconnect. But anyway, um, moving right along, I, there was there was early bad signs here for McLaren. Uh, Ricardo was um, overtaken by Ocon early, which – showed initially the the kind of power of the DRS on the straight here. And, Harry, I think I'll be honest, this race didn't – it's weird because this race delivered a lot. But I don't think it delivered what a lot of a lot of pundits were talking, especially I think Damon Hill mentioned it a few times. This is the race. This is the track where these new cars should deliver their best performance. Like it should be easier to follow and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Did this actually come yeah. off that way? I think it did. Like, okay. there was, yeah, I thought there was, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, can't remember the amount of overtakes in the first sort of half of the race, but it felt like there was a lot. It felt like that 
people have been able to, to sort of stick behind for a couple of laps and then get still past when they had DRS there. pretty solidly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it, I guess oh, I yeah, felt like... Definitely, yeah, it's still required. But it it felt way closer than we've had in previous years, especially at a track like this, and especially And at even Barcelona, though like, there was a couple of calls from Mercedes to George about, you know, temps and things, you, you're not hearing a lot of that, you know, you need to back off and, you know, cool the car. You're not hearing a lot of that as much. And I think that... Probably is the main thing. You've seen cars stay together for longer. Maybe that's the thing we saw today that we haven't seen in a long yeah. time. Is cars close action, um, resulting in whatever style of passing, but just closer racing, um, racing action in 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 certain parts of the field, which I think is is good. Well, um, if you think about the Max and the George situation, like he was behind him for so many laps, and then we end up getting some amazing couple of laps there of a battle between them that I don't think you would have got in previous years. No, and I think let's let's talk about that. So Max uh, on the grid, and by the way, uh, no Martin Brunel pit walk, and I, we haven't heard why, but I suspect it's because it was abomination in Miami. It was poor, and it got badly reported on, and I think he just went, you know what, why am I doing this? Why, why, I don't need all these stupid headlines about me. I don't want to be remembered as the guy that, you know, talked to a guy who had his shirt undone and looked like an influencer. I mean, Connor, it was disappointing not to see it as a fan and someone who knows what it is, but it really probably didn't matter to the coverage, and I think for Martin's own sake if that keeps him in the sport longer let's 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 lose the grid walk Connor. i think it's starting to have its day to be honest with you i i remember when itv first did it back in mid 97 and it's been going for how do you remember that you would you bloody well would how is the broadcaster (laughs) the year off the top of your head for the grid walk it's just it's incredible i just do i just do i know channel nine never showed the grid walk way back in the day, but I do remember reading about it. But they, they up until now, it's been like good 25, 26 years that it's been continuous. It. I don't remember <sighs> being able to read in the mid-90s. I and mean, it's just the specific way that you consumed the information. That is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, we're, both, we're both sitting in awe. I mean, we're... Oh, yeah. This is an impressed uh, noise. I wish... I've watched so much in my life. The only thing I remember of the early days is Senna's crash because that was just so epic, right? Like, I think that's all I remember. How do you remember this stuff? It's amazing to me. Oh, anyway, I, anyway. Um, the, the fact is um, you, you're right. So so early in the in the race, we were on the grid, um, there was talk from Ted about, and he talked to, to Christian about something on the rear wing. And Christian said, it was interesting, he said, you know, with our, uh, our desire to find weight saving at every corner every turn um you know there was there was an issue with the rear wing they've been you know working on it with fia approval etc cetera, etc cetera. and then it wasn't long into the race that we realized max does not have a consistent drs it was on sometimes <laughs> off sometimes he was complaining he had to press it 50 times but holy crap some of the best not racing the best the best laps we've seen in formula one in a very long time was george russell in what we can only call an underrated mercedes right now holding off the world champion max verstappen in what we can only describe as at least one of the top two cars if not the fastest car on the grid and it was awesome george absolutely put his heart on his sleeve and harry he showed everyone he's a racer he was incredible that that was the best few laps we've seen all year by far like he 
it was just his precision. Like, the way that he was able to read the distance in his rear view to know which lines to defend, which ones had enough space to leave so he didn't have to waste time. Like, it was it was like watching someone who'd been in F1 for, for a decade. Like, it, it, it was so impressive. Yeah, it was. And, and the thing we need to understand here is, and uh, you know, if you've already watched this, you understand this, but um, Carlos Sainz went off at turn four in a very strange kind of rear-end slip. It was... It was like the rear turned before the front at the very breaking point. Very strange. Um, Max then did pretty much the same thing, but a little bit less dramatically, but still enough for him to go backwards on the on on the standings, which left Leclerc out the front, and you know Max now trying to chase down George and Perez and all this stuff. So it was a battle that I guess Max would have never thought he would be in with with uh, George you know, battling for, what are they battling for, third or fourth at the time? Um, And, Connor, I think that that battle gave us all that buzz that we missed for so long Mm. in Formula 1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'll remember the actual date of the last battle of that sort, (laughs) but what we're talking about is the general vibe. Well, looking at what happened to science, that was a tailwind issue, as reported over the radio, the team radio by uh, Red Bull. Like, it was a tailwind issue. And Max also had the same issue. He went off at that same corner, but he basically understeered off, and it was just a huge gust of tailwind. But that basically opened the race wide open as soon as that happened, and... I think we saw some of the best laps and best battles in that stanza as soon as that happened in ages. And, yeah, really enjoyed that. Good racing. And, and here's the great thing. Uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at KO Sports. And I love the fact that with in the modern age, we can just at some point tomorrow, even during lunch, just sitting there, I'll be having shepherd's pie leftovers. That'd be great. Oh, um, I can just log on, right, and just flick through. You can just flick through a race like this again. And there's moments here, whether or not you watch a mini again or you just flick through stuff. As a kid uh, in our childhood, that was not an easy thing to do because races were not uh, easily accessible like that. So I, I think this is a race I actually wouldn't mind watching. It's certainly that first half again. I want to sit and watch. George Russell, who, by the way, a couple of things happened. He, with many people, Perez first and then Max, he was doing this. I'm moving to the inside, but then I'm going to just, I'm going to park myself back in the middle. Not quite enough to be a double movement, despite the fact that the other teams on the radio were going, oh, just be careful, he's double movements, which is their way of indirectly signaling to race (laughs) control that he did something. And then when Max starts inside on turn one and George goes, nah, buddy, outside, still the inside of turn two and holds it through and pushes out um, Max on, on turn three. And then Red Bull Team Radio, Harry goes, oh, you know, he didn't leave you enough room. We don't think, oh, dry your eyes, princesses, it's racing. Oh, they were getting so salty. Like, even Max as well in that whole situation there, and he's getting the shits and swearing at them and sort of being like, we can't even get the fucking DRS working. Um, Like, they were getting, everyone was so pissed. Like, I enjoyed it. It was was entertaining. Uh, the, the quote from the team was, not sure he left you as cars with, and it was then quickly investigated by race control Connor and deemed to be nothing worth investigating. And right call by race control. It, it was just pure racing. It's very much like I didn't last year. I got that far. Yeah. You know, I just find that bizarre <laughs> that Red Bull would even consider doing that. Yeah. 
just game I, I'm on. I'm just as far glad as it out that way. I'm glad we're getting. I feel like we've got a good sense of you know what is racing and 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 what is not, and and that's probably one of the actually outside of you know the new cars and all that. That's the best thing that's happening to Formula One right now is we we're getting a bit of racing and we're not getting investigations and and penalties like that on track. Now we're around lap 24 here, so we've we've had 24 laps of pretty much action. Um, whether it's wheel to wheel or just nose to tail, it doesn't matter. It's it's been close, and there's been a lot of different battles. I think actually, if you look back at it, um, there's probably a lot of battles that occurred that we didn't even see um, back through the oh, pack. You could, you could see it on the times. Hmm. Like I, there was one in particular there around that point as well. It was like Alonso, I think Ricardo and Mick Schumacher, Schumacher and they were yeah. all yeah, they're all within less than a second of each other. Didn't 11, see 12, one 13, frame. And we didn't see a frame of it, even though they all had DRS and they all had the ability to make something of it. But then we're the the just the most remarkable thing, and, and Charles Leclerc, who'd been leading the whole way, and we don't see him because he's way out front, engine just gives up, and uh, that's the end of his race, which then leaves us with George Russell leading the race. I mean, wow. I, I, I just – if you – rewind a few races as if Mercedes would have expected to lead a lap this year, even even in the early part of this year, Connor. Oh, it, it's incredible. Those updates that Mercedes have brought for this race have done absolute wonders, more so for George. And as I said before, George has got a better handle of this car than Lewis is at the moment. And it's just so nice to see George is back in the lead of a Grand Prix. I think it's the first time since Bahrain in 2020 since he's led a race. And I was thinking to myself, geez, if, if, if everything goes the way of Mercedes, we could actually see them getting their first win of the season. And it's not Lewis that's going to take the win. It's going to be George. Uh, but that's, I didn't work out that way in the end, but geez, I came close. I don't know if you can discount Lewis that much considering that the amount of track that he made up and that he was sort of only back there um, as a result of that crash. But I think, yeah, I think George has definitely got, you know, he's got that little bit of an edge, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lewis can sort of get his confidence or whatever it is back that he he's just as quick, if not quicker. I think despite a fifth place finish, Lewis Hamilton would be absolutely buzzing after this race. He was at the back of the yeah, pack, having definitely. pitted mm. and changing tyres on lap one, um, and he ended up in fifth place. And it could have been fourth, if not, I think, for some issues with the Mercedes in cooling or, or a water leak or something, and Carlos Sainz got him back because he, he actually had passed Carlos. So, you know, essentially this was a Mercedes 3-4, which is a remarkable potential victory for them as a team. 3-5 is still not bad, and, and Connor will go through the placings later. But, you know, I think that what it also shows, and this is another really important kind of one of those, you know, executive coaching things, is Bono um, is such an important part of Lewis's career because Lewis has just bonded. He's down in the dumps. He thinks we should pull the car in, and Bono's like, no, nah, mate, we, we can get eighth here. Eighth, mate, you got fifth. Um, they yeah. did very, very, very well. And I think the other – so we, we had Hamilton in eighth and seventh and then he's pushed his way all the way forward. Despite the fact that there was you – know, he three-stopped. And that's what's remarkable about, about a three-stopper is when they three-stop, you think this is going to be hard for them. But, you know, Valtteri Bottas in sixth was the was the best place two-stopper and Seb Vettel in 11th was the best one after that. So, it, you know, it proved very quickly that a three-stopper was the way to go in this race. Um what I think is is more interesting for all of us to look at and analyze, which will be the story for the next twenty four hours, if not more, is uh, Perez. It it felt like Perez was quite competitive. Uh, we got to remember Max spun and went off. Um, yet 
there was two occasions where he had to kind of yield uh, to let Max through. One of them was, oh, you're going to have a better chance at passing. And the other one was, yeah, man, um, he's he's coming through. He's on a different strategy. I mean, he wasn't really on a different strategy. They were both on three stoppers. Perez, at the Hmm. very um, near the end there, Red Bull said to him, we're on a different strategy to Max. If he's quicker, let him through. Perez said, that's very unfair. And not more than two minutes to the end of the race, uh, sorry, after the end of the race, uh, his team said to Perez on the radio, words to the effect of, um, thanks for everything you did during that race. And Perez said, I'm I'm happy for the team, but we'll need to talk later. Um, that's something Ooh. Australians can relate to very well, Harry. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you need to have a, a good sit down with old Marky Webber. But, yeah, we were sort of having a little chat before we, we jumped on the to record this about how, for some reason, I thought that Sergio was going to be different, that he, he would know that that was his role in the team as that number two. And, you know, mm. maybe for a while he did. And, but, yeah, it's sort of feeling like a very familiar story at Red Bull. Because, Connor, people, I think that the, the crazy thing is, I, I said to, to Harry before you jumped on, I was stunned by by Perez's reaction because I felt like he's sees the I, I assumed he saw the Red Bull seat as a, a last dance, um, a great second chance at his kind of second half of his career, a great chance to pick up huge amounts of points and be part of a, a victorious team. But no way he's he's an equal driver. Just no way in hell. Um, so for him to think that is is actually a bit strange to me, Connor. Yeah, I, f- I find it a little bit bizarre. I, I would have been happy to just be the number two driver and, and play the backstop. Then that's basically what Checo's role is, is all about. But maybe he's just got this thing in his mind that he is as competitive as Max and he should be winning more races. And there's nothing wrong with being as competitive as Max, but let, you've got maybe he's forgotten the fact that Max is the number one driver. He is the world champion and he has to be that backstop as best as possible. And, you know, obviously if, if Max drops out, then he obviously takes the reins. So, yeah, I just find it a little bit weird that as soon as he gets that little bit of competitiveness in him, you know, when it doesn't go his way, he gets a bit salty about it. It's probably the same though, Harry, as Max being angry with the DRS and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff in, in part of the race and then being, you know, joyous at the end. You know, we don't know what it's like to be driving at 300 kilometres an hour uh, with nah. the adrenaline racing and, you know, only having a steering wheel with a small digital screen in front of you and not all the information. You know, sometimes they've got to all look back and go, well, I didn't really, I wish I hadn't said that, but it is what it is, right? That's that's just, uh, I guess, the heat of the moment stuff. I just don't know that Checo, um, just, you know, Helmet is going to have to pull him aside and say, mate, you are the second driver. Um, and we love you being here, but you're the second driver, Harry. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, for him as well. Like he, he hasn't. How many races he won? Two. Like that would have been his third. Yeah, so that would have been only his third race win. Like that, you know, that that's going to mean a lot to him. Um, so he's going to be quite passionate about it. You'd think, and it's sort of just you know, in his head there, he's like, I've got this. It's in front of me, but the team's going to pick this bloke over me through you know for nothing that's really related to this race. So, yeah. it's, I can understand it to a degree, but it's just, yeah, you just it's just assume that going into that seat that you know what it's going to be. But yeah, Cool. It is what it is. <laughs> well, uh, before we talk it drivers, is, teams, yeah. and all the standings and a few other F1 news, uh, a reminder that you can watch every single session of Formula One on uh, 
on KO Sports. All the Sky Sports coverage is there. Um, you get such a great lead up to every session, um, whether it's the full race, whether it's the lead up to quality. The great thing I love about uh, having KO is you can just switch it on and we, we don't miss out like we did as kids. <laughs> they definitely didn't have the pre-race show. You just had Daryl Eastlake and Alan Jones, which I loved, but oh, I didn't know what I was missing. Uh, and so it's great to have every single session, plus the supercars, plus, of course, all the AFL, NRL, and every other sport you could imagine on KO Sports. So get yourself a subscription now. Um, let's talk a few individual drivers before we, we talk teams generally. Um, I, I think that, you know, Mick, we mentioned briefly, you, you mentioned Connor that, you know, he's not that far away. I don't know. I got a sense in the commentary that there's, there's, there's murmurs in the paddock. Gunter's talking about there being a queue of drivers wanting to come into the sport. Kevin has a, a, a couple of year contract. I think Mick is under pressure. His, his seat for next year is under pressure, Connor. Yeah, I have to agree with you there too. Uh, I, I know he is close to getting points, but yeah, I think Gunther now knows that he's got the car to deliver points for them. And I think there's going to be quite a few drivers, particularly coming through in Formula 2, that want that drive. And Mick hasn't really delivered on those points as yet compared to Magnussen. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm glad that Mick is picking up his pace a bit, but... Yeah, you know, I, I would love for him to get that point or two to prove a point to Gunther and everyone else, but can mm. he do it? Yeah, and uh, Harry, I think it's interesting just looking at a couple of the duos. Latifi finished ahead of Albon. Um, mm. uh, Yuki finished ahead of Gasly. Mick ahead of Magnussen, all circumstantial in many ways, strategy and, and issues, but Esteban ahead of Alonso. There was kind of a George ahead of mm. Hamilton. It feels like yeah. it feels like a few... Um, few swapsies in the in the way the results should pan out but i'm not sure it's indicative of their overall pace i think that's i think a lot of that's quite coincidental um like i find it very hard to believe that nicholas latifi is what 30 seconds faster over a race than uh than alex albon for example Mm. um so i think that that one we don't there's something's happened there like that that feels weird Uh, but well, it's interesting yeah, it, because Nick, because Nick DeFries did the it did free practice one on Friday and he was faster than Latifi. So, well, I want to uh, I want to talk about the the kind of seats uh, in a in a bit because there's a little tiny bit to unpack there. Team wise, McLaren very disappointing weekend. Um, oh, I put McLaren shocking. on the most disappointing, and Shocker. I'd actually say Alpine had the had the the better weekend in terms of just you know uh, overall yeah. moving up the grid maybe Alfa Romeo Harry you'd put up there as well with Valtteri in in six but as a obviously as an Aussie uh, disappointing weekend for McLaren Harry mate that was awful that was and especially because it's sort of you know they were talked about as one of the teams with the most amount of upgrades to bring upgrades, to the track yeah. and it's it's almost like they went a little bit backwards again it's quite yeah quite strange Kind of like um, we need to hope they they're, they're struggling to activate the upgrades, and I think yeah, it was like Kevin Magnuson said to Natalie Pinkham, you know, they don't have any updates, um, but other teams brought lots, and they might have gone backwards while they learn how to activate or you know bring on the updates. So maybe maybe that's the thing. The upgrades are good, but they need to be um, you know plotted out. I mean, I heard them talk about that about Aston Martin as well, that they, they didn't have mm. time to do any sort of optimization with their new sort of Red Bull-inspired design that they've brought. So, yeah, perhaps maybe, you know, maybe next next race it's an even different field again. 
Yeah. So there's uh, three things I want to talk about after we do the driver's standings. Aston Martin, you just mentioned, Latifi and and Oscar. Um, but let's talk uh, standings. Let's talk uh, constructor standings first, uh, Connor. Where are we at with the constructors' championship with a pretty disappointing weekend for Ferrari with Charles Leclerc being the first retirement and uh, Carlos managing just to grab fourth? Well, Red Bull have basically extended their lead now. That They basically got a whole swag of points, maximum points tonight. So Red Bull now lead on 195 points ahead of Ferrari on 169. So that's about 26 points ahead. Mm-hmm. That's basically a race win. Mercedes is in third on 120 points. And then it's daylight ahead of McLaren. They're on 50 points. They only got four points tonight. Then it's Alfa Romeo on uh, 39 and 5th, ahead now of Alpine on 34, Alfa Tauri 17, Haas on 15, Aston Martin 6, and Williams on 3. Uh, a pretty clear grouping there. Three teams at the top, uh, mm. really two, two plus one, and then um, three teams following them. It, you know, it doesn't take much for Mercedes to really consolidate themselves as one of the top three. And, you know, I don't know that we're seeing enough from Alpha Tauri to see them jump into that 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 cluster with McLaren, Alfa Romeo, and Alpine. Harry, I, I don't know. Do you no. think we're just yet to see their 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 best races? I mean, maybe, but yeah, it's certainly. It certainly doesn't seem like they're in that same pack when you you think about the pace that we know Pierre Gasly has off the last couple of years, and yeah, he's nowhere near there. So it's weird just considering that you'd think, considering that the teams and they're starting a brand new car, that there would have been some fairly similar design choices and things like that made between them. So, yeah. By the way, kudos to the uh, Formula One. Uh, Their uh, championship standings page goes back like as far as you want, like you can click on 1980 and see the championship standings for the for the for the 1980 season. I think that's really cool. They've got that historic data just built into the website, which is uh, why do you sometimes hard to find that information? I don't know. Oh, unless like you know it. Connor, you can just ask Connor. Well, that was, I was okay. Um, Connor, how by how many points <laughs> did Alan Jones win the world championship in 1980? Oh, Look, geez, as long as you wait a couple of Okay, good. Don't even know that. I'm sorry. If you knew that, I was going to give the give the game away. That was going to be crazy. So let's talk driver standing this year. Now Connor is Connor has felt more mortal. Uh, he is a mere mortal, folks. Um, I am this a mere year, mortal uh, after Max, all. Max Verstappen uh, at the top of the driver standings. Yes, it's taken him at least five races, uh, five to six races, six races now. And he now leads the world championship by six points. So 110 over Charles Leclerc on 104. Sergio Perez now moves up into third on 85 points, ahead of George Russell on 74. So 11 points the difference between third and fourth. Carlos Sainz in fifth on 65. Lewis Hamilton 46 ahead of Lando Norris on 39. One point ahead of Valtteri on 38. Ninth is Esteban Ocon on 30, and Kevin Magnussen in the 10 still on 15 points, and Daniel Ricciardo now sits equal 11th with Yuki Tsunoda on 11 points. And it's interesting also that Yuki is actually now ahead of Pierre Gasly, who sits behind him on uh, uh, eight, uh, what is it? Yeah, eight, uh, six points, six points six in points. 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, fascinating. It's, it's going to be uh, a long season for the drivers in terms of the championship race. That's what's, that's what's great about it. Every position on the ladder is, is going to go down to the wire. Um, it, was, it was a lot of news on, on Thursday and Friday when the cars hit the track and or hit, hit the, the circuit and then hit the, hit the actual track. Um, the Aston Martin boys just 
a dead copy, like a green Red Bull. Um, and Aston Martin <laughs> claim that they <laughs> built it on their own. They claim that they – even Lance Stroll said, we built two cars at the start of the season and this is just the second one. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, the FIA has been involved and they've deemed it to be their own work. But Jesus Christ, there's no – there's barely two other cars with that much similarities going around, Harry. How, how do they think they're getting away with that? Well, I get, like, apparently they pro- they had, like, documentation to prove that it was in wind tunnels in November last year. Like, is that... How do you, for- how do you forge that? Like, what are they... If, they... if that's not the truth, then then what's going on? Mate, unless like, the FIA they... was at the wind tunnel test, I think you could forge anything. But, you know, yeah, how do you prove um, that? But yeah, I the mean, funny even... thing is... The funny thing is, and Connor, this goes to what we talked about with, you know, activating updates, but, you know, they, they didn't exactly have a stellar weekend, so maybe they haven't weren't Because obviously the problem people might understand with any update is you 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 improve one area, let's say the aerodynamic flow over the side pod, um, that has uh, pass-on effects to things like, I don't know, rear suspension or the way the air is coming out of the diffuser. There's other things they need to adjust or change or stiffen or loosen. That's where they've got to go now, don't they, Connor? Is is in they determining do. how to make how to activate that update? Yeah, and I, I just don't know if Aston Martin have got the the clout in them to actually understand how to activate those updates. It's like oh, you've got to remember in in twenty twenty they copied the twenty nineteen Mercedes and they expected instant results, which they obviously did, but basically it was a blatant copy. And now, I guess they've tried to copy again the Red Bull approach. And it hasn't really worked for them. Yeah. Well, they've got um, don't they've hurry. got Red Bulls. That's sorry, I think my mic just moved. There. Um, they've got Red Bulls' former technical director or head of aero or or whatever his and title was. That's why was there. it's so it's, controversial. It's uh, essentially, well, what, they're, they're what, trying to prove yeah. that he stole something, but in the end, he may have turned up and gone, "Oh my god, that's the same as what we're doing." <laughs> the so one of the a theory that I've read that that you know they could explain as well is that you know obviously they knew that, you know, this guy was coming in and he was going to be leading their development of their cars and things like that. So, would it not make sense to start development sort of based on his philosophy of older Red Bull cars? So, he joins, you know, a car on a platform that he he could understand better and can immediately make bigger differences on, which which makes a lot of sense too. Like, it's, I I know, it looks, I don't know, for me, the, the pink Mercedes was just so blatant, but... For this one, like I can almost, almost believe that it's a coincidence. Yeah, I feel like almost. you're in the pocket of Lawrence Stroll. That's what I think. I freaking so, wish. Yeah. Like, do you think? Yeah. Do you think I'd be recording oh, this mate. show if I was in the pocket? I was going to say. I was going to say if I was in his pocket, there's no way I'd be sitting here right now. <laughs> <Ugh>. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't think I'd want to be in his pocket. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. Um, just to wrap it up, boys, the the rumor after oh I don't know where was it that the Oscar rumor and Williams started, but uh, it might have been Saudi, but there was somewhere else. But the, it feels pretty clear now that Latifi is at high risk at Williams. We yeah, had the yeah. rumors that Alpine might be shopping Oscar to Williams. We then had Nick DeFries, uh, Formula E champion, run the FP1 session and do very well. Uh, it feels pretty clear that Williams is putting putting the message out. Uh, you know, in the in the rumor file in the paddock, and just very publicly that they need to understand what the best thing for them is next year. And you know, I don't I don't, I don't rule Oscar out of that seat, but I think the the Nick DeFries thing seems most likely now. Do you do you think Connor? Quite possibly. Let's not forget he is um, Mercedes test driver, so Toto would definitely have a big sway in that. Given that Mercedes are running 
uh, uh, well, Williams are running Mercedes power plant. So it would be a no-brainer for them to put another test driver of theirs into the car, much like they had with George Russell for the last few years. And let's not forget, Nick is a very, very competent driver. Formula E world champion, was previously with McLaren. So he's got a lot of clout behind him. And I think a lot of people were surprised that he hasn't had a seat in Formula 1 much sooner. But on the same, on the flip side, what do you do with Oscar? Do you give him that, loan him out to Williams and give him that racing time? Or do you keep him and make that decision for Alpine? Because we don't know right now if, if Alonso is going to stay on or if he's going to walk away. The results of late haven't really shown that he's, um, you know, got the, the, well, he's certainly got pace, but he hasn't had the results to prove it. So think, it's a bit of a guessing Harry, game at the moment. The, the real trick here will be, uh, what Alpine want to do, obviously. Mm. I think that the rumours about Alpine making a decision on on um, or announcing what uh, either uh, Alonso wants to do or they're planning to do uh, earlier in the season, as in, you know, I think they're talking around Silverstone or whatever, but essentially, you know, let's get that done. Let's have that conversation. Yeah. I think, I think we'll see Oscar nominated to do an FP1 session in one of the coming races. Um, because yeah, they'll want to have probably some not Monaco. times on the board. No, not Monaco. They'll <laughs> want to have some times on the board, A, for their own edification, to check what they think and they know, and B, to put his star on the rise among other teams mm-hmm. who are looking for drivers. That's the perfect strategy I to take, so. Harry. Oh, yeah, I think that I think that would be very much the most likely. Um, and for them as well, like they got to think of it as, you know, sure, there might be another year, good year left in Fernando or whatever like that, but what does that mean on the risk of losing this extremely bright talent that is, you know, potentially could be there in the long term and could potentially be a world champion with them in a few years' time? Um, is it worth risk risking him leaving? And yeah. then, you know, with the with the DeVries side on Williams, the thing that doesn't quite make sense for me there is I know that he's, you know, he's a Mercedes guy and stuff, but like why what's in it for them? Because he he's not gonna ever race for Mercedes. Like George is yeah. No. He's not gone anywhere. Um, and I doubt that they would throw him straight in there in, you know, next year or the year after, next to George when when Lewis retires. Like it's yeah. Interesting seat that will be. Yeah, I think that's that's what's fascinating. So we've got uh, Monaco next week and then Azerbaijan on the twelfth of June. That'd be my tip. Put Oscar in FP one yeah. in Azerbaijan ahead of Canada on the uh, a week later on the nineteenth of June. And then um, Great Britain must be a few weeks gap before that on the third of July. And that was where there was kind of rumors. Although there always is rumors about there being announcements, but it just feels like they need to get Oscar in that seat so they can have that you know, essentially start that circus. Because it's really that's yeah. what's going to happen here is you're going to have a circus start where you go, right, is is Joe Granu uh, uh, doing, uh, you know, anywhere near what he's potentially is in this team at Alpha? Is that a potential seat? Probably not because he should get another year. I think anyone would hope that everyone gets kind of a couple of chances. Latifi is really the biggest obvious one to go. Mick Schumacher is definitely another seat that is up. Um, outside of that, unless uh, Alpha Tauri choose to to not use Yuki, but I think Yuki's coming into his own. You know, there's two seats available next year, Connor. That, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I have to agree there. And you certainly can't include Stroll because he's going absolutely nowhere. Uh, so I think, it, yeah, it's going to be Mick now and Latifi. Their drivers are very much up for grabs at this point. And, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if we'll see Oscar in an, in a Haas, but I think if 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 Alonso stays on, I would definitely like to see Oscar in a Williams 
proving his worth against Albon. I think that would be a really good side to see if he doesn't get that Alpine drive. You know what I reckon? I reckon Alonso pulls up stumps. I reckon they come up with a way of announcing that he has brought the team to a level. You know, he's he's, Mm. he's led them. He's got Esteban to a point where he's, you know, consistently as fast or faster. You you can see um, Fernando then taking a, you know, not a team principal role, but a leadership role off out of the car. Um, kind of prostyled, you know, the way he, he mm. was involved. Just give him that kind of in-the-garage approach. He might not want to do that, though. But I do think that He's Alpine, while they could shop him around, they've got to just put Oscar in and they've got to take yeah. the bull, bull by the horns at this point, and that's probably their best way forward. Like, realistically, they're not they're, they're not going to win next year either. Like, and Fernando, if and that's, that's what, what he's what hanging I, around Fernando for. Fernando knows like, Yeah. So, he knows that. Oh, yeah, we could we could see that. We could see it. How exciting. All right. Well, we're back again in just a week from now with the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, which, as we all know, uh, is not renowned for anything <laughs> other than glitz and glamour and normally a chaotic qualifying and chaotic race, uh, but pretty much start-to-finish stuff. So we'll see how that pans out with the 2022 cars. Uh, boys, <laughs> get some sleep, get to work, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Yeah.